Hi, Saints Hill. So good to um, be with you again. It's been some time and um, I still miss you a lot. We haven't seen you in a long time, um, but let's jump right in. I uh, have something in my heart that I've been wanting to share uh, for some time. So I'm just gonna pray right now. And uh, if you can close your eyes, wherever you are in your home and extend a hand to the person who's sitting next to you. Father, I ask you right now that you, first of all, fill me up and uh, help me be right in Jesus' name. <laughs> and uh, no, bless everyone that's listening right now in Jesus' name. Have your Holy Spirit fill them up with, um, yeah, with your presence. We ask you that you touch their, uh, everyone's heart. And whatever I'm saying right now, it just connects to your heart in Jesus' name. Prepare every word that I'm gonna share to be um, coming directly from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. All right, so um, I wanted to give you a little bit of uh, a piece of my heart, I always do that. I think I always open my teachings with a little bit of a piece of my heart. I should write a song about it. Uh, but we're in the middle of a shift uh, in the natural world, in our church, in almost every capacity. And I was just thinking, sitting like laying down in bed and I was thinking how many things around us are changing because of the pandemic, because of the season and things are just being transformed and shifted, right? And it's not that it's necessarily bad, it's just that it makes uh, the normal order of things a little bit chaotic. And chaotic is, chaos is not bad, it's just out of the normal, out of the normal, right? I recently went to a restaurant and uh, with uh, Leon and my and Lorna, and Leon was acting like a little farm boy that's never seen more than 10 people around. So he was scared and like looking around the, how many waiters there were, how many people were like getting close to him. And like he was freaking out, like the baby is being affected by the season. So everyone, everything in our, in our midst, our jobs, our, uh, the way that we normally do like church is changing, right? And why am I saying this? It's because knowing the season, uh, just knowing the season that we're in just gives us the grace that God prepared for that season, you know? God always provides love and grace uh, that qualifies us for the battle that we're gonna be in. So if we recognize, hey, this is, this is not normal, number one, I'm gonna have more grace on how I'm feeling and how I'm processing things. I'm gonna be more patient. And number two, I'm just gonna recognize what the Lord has made available for me in this season, right? So I want to look into how did the early church, because we're in House of Acts, and that's our series, that's what we've been studying. Um, I want to look into how the early church dealt with um, seasons or opposition in their midst, right? So if you open your Bibles, the verse for, for today is going to be Acts 14.1. going to give you a second so that you can search for that. And then once you're in, I'm going to start reading right now. It's in Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner. And this is Paul and Barnabas. Um, they were speaking and moving around cities and teaching the gospel uh, in such a manner that a large number of people believed both 
of Jews of Jews and of Greeks, but the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. Therefore, they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord, who was testifying to the words of his grace, granting the signs and wonders be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided, and some sided with the Jews and some sided with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Laconia, Lystra, and Derbe, and the surrounding region. And there, and there they continued to preach the gospel. All right, pretty simple, right? Uh, pretty simple verses. What are we seeing here is just the apostles, Paul, is seeing a revival, right? It's a revival that is happening in the Gentiles. That's what it spoke in the beginning. Uh, people were believing, the Greeks and the Jews were believing. Some of the Jews started to embitter, embitter, making, pointing, and making the, uh, the Gentiles get into a, a fight of disagreements, right? And for me, it's like, what are the questions that are valuable to ask in this case? What are the questions that we should be looking at? How is it that after so many years, Paul, Barnabas, and the apostles, right here, this, this has been like a while, a while after Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit came. So how is it that they're still on fire? How is it that they can deal with opposition, as we just saw, and then they just go and move on to another place, another city, and they're not affected by it, they're not hurt, they're not offended, they just keep expanding and keep doing what the Lord gave them. What kind of, kind of response is, is in their heart right now? And that's, that's, those are the questions that, that, I'm, that I'm thinking because this is not a simple situation where they're almost uh, killed. They're going to be stoned to death, right? Just like uh, Stephen back in, uh, in, also in Acts, you get the, the story of how Stephen gets stoned to death, right? Paul is kicked literally out of this city and then keeps on going to the next city and doesn't change the subject. That's my highlight. He doesn't change the subject. He just stays there on the gospel. Further down the passage, um, it actually uh, talks about other situations where the same situation happened over and over and over again. So for me, it's, there's something inside of them that the outside is not, not being able to affect them. There's something in their hearts that is making them resilient that no matter the circumstances around them, they just keep on going and going and going, just like the Duracell bunny. 11 years ago, um, I had my, uh, the beginning of my personal revival. And it, I define it because of, a, of an 11 year period, because I was, before that, I was in, a lot of up and downs. Yes, I was raised in the church. My dad was a pastor. Um, I grew up in, in a family that instilled a lot of uh, Christian values. And like my environment was very uh, focused in, in, in Jesus and God and the gospel and on prayer. I saw healings before that, but it was so much up and downs, right? In, in, in my life. And there was, there's this period from 11 years to now where it's only been from grace, from glory to glory, full of grace. So that's why I call it my 11 year period of revival. Um, you know, you have to work on your identity 
when you have a lot of a really, really highs and really, really lows. When your emotional situation just keeps going up and down. So that was before this period. Now, my relationship with the Lord um, started to be stirred up. I basically started meeting with, uh, with some friends in, in my house. I started a, a meeting where we would have uh, two people over. It was a big gathering at that time. Uh, I had my friend Sam and my, my other friend Diana, and mostly I would pray out loud. And we were praying to end the violence in Mexico. There was this, um, back then in 2009, uh, the cartels were taking over and there was a lot of violence. It was the drug war and it was promoted as like, hey, we're gonna end this, but it just kept on getting massive and massive and my family was being, um, being shaken up, right? So I, I gathered my friends, I invited them to my house and we started having these prayer sessions. At the same time, I was like, for the first time going into the word and getting stirred up, right? And uh, in tangent with that, I decided to apply for an internship in the Foreign Affairs Ministry. And uh, going to the Foreign Affairs Ministry in Mexico is like working with uh, what you would call the, well, if you've seen the UN when it's full of ambassadors and that's the goal, that's where you're going. The ambassadors that are being sent by Mexico to, um, to Washington, to New York, where you have the, the UN headquarters, that's where I was working on in the Foreign Affairs Ministry. And uh, it was really exciting because I was studying for being a diplomat and that my career was international relations. So it was very in accordance to what I was studying, right? Um, so I had two things. I had my meetings in the morning, uh, well, meetings in my in my apartment, and then I would go and have uh, uh, and do my internship. It was it was very exciting. My first day actually of my internship, I planned my route. I didn't have a car. I wasn't going to use the car because the office is in downtown. It's massive, um, twenty three floor building, and uh, so I get on the on the subway. I'm, I'm well. I'm waiting for the subway. I have my little messenger bag as all interns do, and um, and I'm waiting for, for the software to come. I did practice this route because I wanted to make sure that I was getting there on time. So I see the first car arrive, and I noticed something that I didn't notice the time that I practiced. I practiced at 2 p.m. on a Sunday, so it was pretty easy. This was a Monday, and the car was full of people, and you would see them, like, smashed against the windows and I smashed, smashed against the doors of the subway cart. And I was like, that wasn't something I was planning for. There was no room. There was no room for anyone. There was no room for a little tiny dog. People were just like slammed there. And that's Mexico. So, uh, Mexico City. <laughs> so I let the first cart go. I was like, well, maybe the next one is, is um, a little bit more empty. Nah. Same, same after three cars. And I'm like, well, fine. Well, I have to get there. So I'm already late. So I finally start cramming in, getting in and, uh, and, and smashing myself into an other people in front of me. It was, it was not COVID appropriate. It was very, very far from it because I'm like breathing down people's neck. And suddenly this guy comes from behind and he starts getting in as well and pushing me in and he starts like, hitting my leg and like smashing it. I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. I'm like being abused right here in this cart. And I'm just worried that I'm gonna lose the opportunity of my like 
being in, 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 in the Foreign Affairs Ministry because it's my first day. Uh, finally, he gives up and goes and the doors close. And I'm like, what the heck was that? Then I look down and he stole my wallet. And that meant that I didn't have any more money. I couldn't get to the next car and I have no idea of how to get to downtown because I'm also a for like I'm a I'm, I don't I live by myself back then in, in 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 and I don't have any support so I was pretty much um, I didn't have any choices but to go back to my house and cry <laughs> so I get off on the next car I'm like totally defeated and get back. Anyway, I just like that. That was just one of the experiences that that I was having back then when I was working for the UN. And I called my boss. He said, "Hey, uh, this happened. Are you gonna be okay if I come in?" And he said, "Yeah, it's fine. Come in. It's, it's no big deal." Anyway, I kept on going to the Foreign Affairs Ministry, and it kept on getting better and better. Right, and I gained, gained a lot of favor. The story didn't have any points, but to show you how hard it was for me to start doing the internship. Um, Six months later, my little group of um, friends that I have grouped to 15 people gathering in my apartment, then 20. And I started noticing a division in my life. I had the a diplomat that was growing and growing in, in favor with the government. And I had the um, revivalist that was praying for the sick and uh, prophesying over people. This kept on going for years. Like I kept on growing in my career and I kept on doing my ministry things. Uh, and people kept on meeting with me in, in my apartment. There was one day in my apartment where uh, we were done with the meeting, we were leaving, and then suddenly the Holy Spirit came over me and I was on the floor. I was crying and receiving the presence of the Lord and, 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 and it was an experience that I've never had before. And I think I haven't had an experience as intense as that because the people that were next to me were also on the floor because of the presence of God. And we weren't even worshiping. We weren't even like um, getting on details about the Lord. We were actually talking about something else and we were on the floor for, for uh, because just this Holy Spirit came. It was beautiful. Now, why am I saying all this? Because I still had that division. I had that encounter and I still had, my life was different when I was in the foreign affairs ministry. I was even given an a internship, well, an, uh, an, an internship in New York City. I was working for the UN for a while, uh, for the Security Council, and it felt really good because I was helping, doing policies, changing things that the UN was uh, enabling through the Security Council, which only has uh, so many seats in so many countries that just can access it. Uh, it's only 15. And then uh, Mexico had a, uh, had a seat in that time, and we were very proud of it. So I was participating on this all the time, and I felt like I had a purpose, right? But at the same time, I was still divided. I still had my relationship with the Lord, which was very much alive, as you just, as you just noticed with my story. But I had these two things going on, right? Um, finally, my good friend Sam, that was in the same position, took a bold stand. He he was working with actually with the uh, what you would call like the deputy officer um, in 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 well, the general attorney office in Mexico. And um, he also studied in the same career that I did, but he finally gave up and said, hey, I'm gonna go to ministry school. I got deeply offended because of his change and I wanted to um, just stay offended. 
But then six months later, I decided to do the same. Finally gave up and started changing as a whole. I started saying, okay, I'm gonna go and do ministry school because I wanna put all my chips here, right? See, even though I was experiencing and knowing the Lord and feeling all His presence, I kept some parts of me wrong. Uh, well, off of Him, like the part of the, 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 um, the diplomat part. What was wrong? Either this side or this side. In my perspective, it was wrong both. Both of those sides were wrong. Both of those sides needed a reset. If you go in your Bibles to uh, John 15, it says, and you know this, it's the, 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 um, the explanation of Jesus of the true vine. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dress. He, uh, he defines who he is, right? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that he may bear more fruit. So when you bear fruit, he prunes you. Just wanted to know that. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in vines, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine dresser and you're the branches. He who abides in me abides in him. He bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. He defines us, right? Um, the biggest change of my life was understanding this this passage, understanding and receiving the true um, identity that he paid for me. See, in my drive to be an intern and being uh, a diplomat, and actually I, I actually got a real job with them and I was paid for all of those stuff uh, in the ministry, and my drive to also um, change the world, it was all guided by I want to change the world but I wasn't based on an identity. When you're based on the identity of I'm with abiding in the vine, then you act as a whole because the Lord is the one that has control in your life, is the one that is pruning you. Just like it said, I prune, I prune you. I'm the one that gathers. I'm the one that gives you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. My Father is glorified by this. That's in the eighth that you bear much fruit, so you prove my disciples. See, I was staking on my life, uh, on my life, and I was, oh, that's awesome. I'm experiencing the Lord. I'm experiencing what He's doing. And at the same time, I'm like, I, I want to grow in my career. I want to do awesome over here. And it's not that this was wrong. It's that I wasn't actually trusting Him in my life, period. Not here, not here. Because if I was trusting Him here, I would bring him here, right? I had to stop fighting, fighting to earn his approval or the approval of the people. You see, in the passage that we started reading in Acts 14, the disciples, the, the apostles don't care about what the opposition is saying. They don't care. They just go on and keep on teaching the gospel and do not change the subject. They, they are people that gave it all. They're people that their identity is all based on, on him, right? In ministry school, there was a night that actually like transformed me the most. Uh, one of the pastors shared a dream that she had where she was in this house. She was in a room 
Um, and, and in the room, there was a big cross in the, behind the, the bed. And she, it, and she would see Jesus walking around the house. Everything was clean and everything was neat inside the house. But she felt like she couldn't breathe, right? But every time that Jesus would come, she would get on top of the cross and would put herself on the cross so that Jesus would see her when, she, when, when he would come in. And Jesus would just walk right past her room and slide the door and go outside and not see her, not even look. So in a dream, she gets off the cross and she's like, what's going on? Why, is, why, why does Jesus doesn't see me? I'm getting on the cross. Finally, she decides to follow Jesus in one of those times where Jesus is walking by. She follows him outside to the garden. In the garden, she notices that Jesus is not stopping to, for her. He just keeps on going. And she's trying to see Jesus because you're in a dream and imagine you're in a dream and you're seeing Jesus, you want to talk to him. So she's like chasing him and she can't catch up. Catch up. Finally, she stops and she sees that he starts approaching the trees that are next to her and then realizes that she, he comes to her and then she, he starts engaging with her and starts uh, fixing her leaves because she became, she became like a tree. See, the Lord told her after that, she, she's like, she, I don't understand this dream. And, she, and, and, and the Lord told her after that, you know, you keep trying to be crucified. You keep trying to show what I already done for you, what I already paid for you. And you're not taking ownership of the identity that I've given you. That changed me because what I had in my, in my drive to have a purpose and to deliver something to the world uh, with the diplomacy, with, uh, with my ministry, was to attempt to change the world, was an attempt to show God, hey, I can return what you've done, what you've given to me. But the problem is that if I wasn't receiving first what he has given me to me, I'm not gonna change anything. I'm not gonna bear much fruit. I'm not, gonna, I'm not abiding in him, I'm abiding in myself. See, the issue of the heart is what matters here. When we have a heart that is not trusting the Lord, that not trusting the gardener, not trusting him, whatever is outside is going to shake us up. I, I believe that we're in a, in a season as I stated in the beginning with COVID and everything, that is changing the identity of the church. You thought it was only about um, our identity, this whole message? No, I think it's, it, it's about the church. It's changing the identity of the church. Just as I showed early in my personal identity story, the church is being, being challenged to change from the ways that, um, from focusing on ways on, on how we do stuff, on, doing it online, getting people to do join groups, uh, doing a lot of things and activities to get the people engaged. From moving from that to actually to the person of Jesus. I believe even though that we have a lot of reach now with these videos, with this, we have a lot of people watching. Um, I believe that this is not the solution. This is not the solution that's actually going to change uh, our cities. Our goal is not to bring the city into the church. 
Our goal is to take the church, the church, the people outside of the building so that they change the city. See, um, what Paul and the apostles were doing in Acts 14, they were going out based on their identity of children of God and moving on that without caring about the opposition and caring the environment so that they could build a church in every person that they talked to. That's why it was unstoppable. We expect the church to do a lot of things for us, like give us purpose, feel love. But just like me in my, in my identity story, uh, we expect the church to perform. We expect the church to be good at diplomacy, good at um, socializing. <laughs> we expect the church to build it. But actually what we're called to is to become that church to become the people that represent the Lord. That's the gospel. The gospel is, hey, I died for you. You don't longer have to be crucified over here. You can go and be with me because I'll take care of you. The gardener is the one in charge of taking care of us. The gardener is the person, is the one that's gonna fix the heart. Not us, not, not us attempting to it, not trying to it, not keeping things apart from the Lord like I used to be doing in my story where I kept him out of a section of my life. After we're healed, we're called to rebuild cities. We're called to rebuild this city over here, Newburgh. We're called to um, have the ministry of reconciliation. We're, be we're to become cultural architects. That's us. Is it gonna be by our forms, by uh, creating a, a, a great curriculum? I don't think so. It's, it's by the person. It's exactly by what the disciples were doing. You know, uh, in Ephesians 6, 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's a war. There's a war in the demonic realm who gets to shape history. And the devil does not care. The devil does not care why you hate someone as long as you hate them. That's the war. That's, that's the opposition that we're encountering right now in our season, in our prophetic season that we are in. You know, the Andoni of that, uh, of that time when he had those two div divisions, I would do anything to maintain this, the, the, the diplomat, from touching the other one because I didn't want them, I, I didn't want one to contaminate the other one. I didn't trust the Lord. I didn't, I, um, I was vulnerable to the opinions of men and the opinions of, of, of who I was working with. I was totally afraid of them finding out about my other life. If we're, um, if we're a son of daughter in the army of God, the safest place is where God sent you. And the church, us, not Sincere, like I'm saying the church in general, we're sent to minister to everyone. You know, when David was king of Israel, there was a season when the kings would go to war. That's when it's talking about, the story goes into um, explaining his fall with Bathsheba. When he sinned, he was supposed to be in at war. 
it was the season where the kings would go at war and he didn't go. His biggest mistake that unraveled a series of deaths and betrayals and almost brought his reign to an end was because he was, he, number one, he didn't know who he was because he's their king and he wasn't in the right place. He wasn't in the front lines where he should be. I feel like as a church, we're addicted to the palace. We're addicted to the comfort. We're addicted to, hey, um, the church will take care of this. The church should be saying this. The church should be doing this, all the things. And it's time for work. It's a time to go outside the building. We don't even have a building anymore. Now it's, it's on us. I'm okay, uh, I'm sorry if I sound like I'm uh, against activities and uh, church organization and any kind of that stuff, but no, I believe that the actual transformation, the actual revival will come from the individual, not the institution. And for you right now, for everyone that's listening, the safest place you can be is in the front lines. And in the front lines, it's just like we read in Acts 14, is being with the people that need to hear the gospel. It's with the people that don't know if they're loved or not loved, the people that are looking for identity, the people that are anxious. And I'm not saying in my whole thing that I was just um, sharing about the UN, I'm not saying that, um, that you shouldn't go after your career. You can work in the UN and you can work in the restaurant and at the same time, bring the purpose of the Lord, you know? It's not about what are you doing, it's about who you are. I believe there's a supernatural way, and this is not only on uh, meaning on science, and, on science and wonders, there's a supernatural way of doing a normal job. There's a supernatural way of being a teacher. There's a supernatural way of being a dad, of being a mom, of being a manager, of being a waiter. How's that supernatural way for you? Heaven has a way of responding to the issues of this world. And the way that we access what heaven is doing is by abiding. That's my only point. There's only one point in this whole teaching is if we abide, then you are giving a solution to the heart, to your heart and the heart of the people around you. When you think that you're powerless, it's just because you're listening to the wrong spirit. If we're seated in heavenly places, then our approach is different. We're not coming with the issues that we're seeing here on earth and asking for heaven, hey, can you do something? No, we're approaching it from heaven. Hey, I'm seeing these issues that are having. What do I have here? What can I bring from here? What can I bring from, from what's already available? So I wanna ask you right now, how are you gonna go to war? Where are you going to be putting your heart to? Just to end, I'm going to read um, Isaiah 61. He says, The year of the Lord's Savior. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide those who grieve in silence to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, 
and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his, splen of his splendor. They will re rebuild ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. This is all here. This is what we're gonna do. This is what you're called to. This is what your heart is called to. I'm not gonna finish reading it all. I, I would like to invite you all to start picking it, open your Bibles in Isaiah 61 and read it for yourselves and have the Lord ask you, have the Lord tell you right now, where, what's the place of influence that you have right now that you've been put in that you can start giving fruit at? It's just abiding in. I'm just gonna pray right now to close. Father, thank you so much for our church. Thank you so much for the people that we have in our midst. I just bless everyone that is listening to this to hear your voice and to trust your voice, to let you take over every aspect of their lives and rest and abide in you. Let us have an identity that is focused on you and not in what we can do. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.